0: All of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. Let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come. Jesus come even so come Lord Jesus come there will be justice all will be new your name forever faithful and true Jesus is coming soon Mac. Joe's got a few announcements and we're going to have some time of worship.
1: That's good. <laughs> good morning. Morning. Okay. Um, this was not Hawaiian shirt day. That was last Sunday. Just making sure. I was the only fool here with a Hawaiian shirt. But uh, okay. A lot of announcements in your bulletins. There is a peachy Iridescent orange, whatever color this paper is right here. Most of the ladies will know. Most of the guys will go, what? Astor bright orange. Bright orange? Astro bright. Astro bright. bright. Okay, there we go. The paper in there. Uh, that has a lot of information about uh, the missions conference coming up. That weekend, there's going to be several meals going on. On Friday evening, uh, it's going to be a partial carry-in. The main meal will be provided. The rest is going to be carry-in. So please... Watch your bulletins for that. Um, and then there's go- that banquet on Friday night. Then Saturday morning, there'll be a men's breakfast. And Jeter will also be there for that. And then at, at 1 o'clock, there'll be a women's tea on that same weekend. So it's a very, very active weekend. Keep your calendars clear so we can really get into the missions conference with them. And there's two other announcements. We still need an actor for the... Um, Vacation Bible School coming up. You can probably see Rachel or the other Rachel. Rachel. So we've got two Rachels. You won't have to worry about the name, just (laughs) catch the people. And uh, they need one male uh, role actor and that's a very important one. It's a significant role uh, necessary uh, for that play. Also, uh, individuals are needed to run the recording software on Sunday morning and you can see Adam Riley about that and he is usually up in that room or in the entryway after the service
0: thank you Joe would you stand and um, we're going to spend some time uh, praising our Lord and um, Psalm 92 says it is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name o Most high to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. So father, we are just here to do that, to lift your name because you are worthy. You are awesome and we just want to praise you, father. So we just want to bring that now. Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from hell. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, His body the bread, His blood the wine, broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn Love so amazing Love so amazing Jesus, Messiah Name above all names Redeemer Emmanuel The rescue for sinners The ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all All our hope All our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, yeah, all the glory to you, God, the light of the world, all our hope is in you, all our hope the glory to you God, you're the light of the world, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer. for sinners the ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all let's sing all our hope all our hope is in you all our hope in you all the glory to you God the light of the world all our hope all our hope is in you all our hope is in you all the glory to you God light of the world.
2: Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us, the weight of every curse upon us. The war on death was reached, the power of hell forever broken.
0: be able to proclaim that that's true (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs)
2: Save me.
3: After we sang that song forever, my wife leaned over and said, You don't even have to preach today. Wonderful worship. Wonderful worship. and uh, But I am. Anyway, we've got it here. We might as well use it. Uh, last week we prayed, uh, before we went into teaching time, we prayed for uh, Gloria Barker uh, specifically. And what I didn't tell you is that with her bout of pneumonia and other things, she was actually placed in a drug-induced coma last weekend. And uh, that's what prompted uh, the specific prayer Sunday morning. Monday morning, I got a text message from, I think a text message from David saying that uh, she was, the tube was removed, she was awake, she was aware, she was not, uh, she was breathing on her own. Um, This week I went up to to see her. She was taken out of ICU, put in her own room. Uh, She's able to roll over, stand up, take a few steps. Um, God is doing some incredible things uh, in her life. So continue to pray for Gloria. Um, But I did want to give God credit for what uh, God had done uh, just in touching her, uh, not... I I don't think through medication, I don't think through, I mean, she was on antibiotics, that wasn't doing anything, it was just through God's touch. Now, on the flip side of that, Thursday, Brian, where'd you go? He left. Um, Brian had strep throat uh, on Thursday, and he came in uh, Saturday morning and said, penicillin is a wonderful thing. And uh, So sometimes God heals through a touch, sometimes He heals through, uh, through medicine, and, and, uh, and whatever the case, God heals. And uh, it, is, it is good for us uh, to know that and rely on Him and to seek Him out in those times. So let's just continue this attitude of worship and uh, go to Him in prayer this morning for the needs that we may be carrying uh, ourselves. Father, we are thankful that You touch. Lord, we thankful that you are involved in our lives, that you are active, that you love us. Father, most of all, that Jesus died for us. His willingness to go through uh, life here, even even 33 years of life on this earth, instead of seated at your right hand in your glory, that he, he set all of that aside. And then, Father, to endure... What he endured that last week, the mockery of a trial, Lord, Lord the, the, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, Father, the rejection and, uh, of, of friends and, and those who, who fled, left him all alone. And yet, Father, he was willing to do it for me. Father, to bear our sins. Father, to place all of that on His shoulders, on His back, to endure the cross. And Father, through that, that we might have healing, that we might have life, that we might have freedom, that we might we might be able to, to live a life free of guilt, uh, Lord, free of shame, free of separation from You, that we can, can truly be with You, that You desire to be uh, to live life with us that you've sent your spirit to live in us Father thank you for forgiveness Lord this morning we worship and we can't help but say glory to you hallelujah forever you reign Father you are our God it's in your son's name that we pray Amen. I'm a fan of TV. I know some don't do TV, some don't have TV, some don't have cable. I can't imagine life without those things. Um, I grew up on TV. I don't know if I'm that first generation that grew up with TV, but I love TV. I love action shows. I love cop shows. Um, I, I love mystery. Um, you know, Blue Bloods is one of my favorites. Um, Watch—we've seen every season, every episode of every season through Netflix, and can't wait for the next season to roll around. Um, my daughter Mackenzie wakes up in the morning to Criminal Minds. Um, that's a little harsh, first thing in the morning, but. Um, we, we are a TV family. Now, growing up, it was a little different look. Um, here, here's what I grew up with. These were some of my, this was, this was the first. You remember Batman and Robin? This was, you know, the Adam West and Burt Ward, the Pow and the Biff and the, you know, those, those the, almost cartoonish but real life. That's my favorite. That, That's my favorite. I, I am a huge Batman fan. But I also then, along came these guys. Now, who is that? The Duke boys. Bo and Luke Duke. Just the good old boys. Never meaning no harm. Beat all you ever saw, never... Oh, I just forgot it. Beat all you ever saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. Bo and Luke and the General Lee. Nothing better than that car flying through the air. Now... This will stretch some of you. Who's this? Battlestar Galactica. Battle Alright, these, these were some of my favorites. Captain Apollo, Lieutenant Starbuck, the little fuzzy robot dog. I don't even remember that name. Loved Battlestar Galactica. But, even better than that, I was there when this first came out. I was 13 at the very first Star Wars coming out. And that whole idea of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and battling the evil Darth Vader. And who knew in 1977 with Star Wars A New Hope, and we didn't know that it was number four at that point, that there would be five and six and one, two, three, and seven's now done and eight is currently in production. And what a glorious day. I wanted to be them. I wanted to be any of them. The idea of being a a superhero, an action star in the movies, on TV, of being able to do all of the things, cool things that they could do, driving those cars fast, shooting those guns with those lasers, it was awesome. I wanted to be them. And then I found out that most of the actors didn't actually do those things. That when that car, when General Lee left that dirt ramp and flew over the creek and over the tree and landed perfectly and kept right on going, Bo and Luke weren't in that car. There was this guy called a stunt double that was driving that car. And and that just ruined it for me. Then I wanted to be a stunt double. This was as close as I ever came, right here, Neil. What's the last, last one? This is as close as I ever came. <laughs> last Halloween, I got to be Batman uh, here. So, uh, but this 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 whole idea of of a of a stunt double. Have you ever wanted a stunt double in your life? Do you ever wish you just had a stunt double? You know that when things got really hairy, things got really scary or maybe a little dangerous, the director just said, Cut! Enter the stunt double. And they did all the work. They took all the risks. They had all the danger. And you could just sit back in your chair and watch them. And then when it was safe again, you get back into life and do your thing. That meeting with your boss or maybe an employer that that you feel is not going to go well, You've been dreading it for days. You've got to sit down and have this head-to-head. It's not even a heart-to-heart. It's a head-to-head. Enter the stunt double. Maybe you're, you're, you're a mom. And you know, you just wish the kids were all in an app at the same time. But they're not. They're crazy. This is just one of those days that you can't seem to get anything done enter the stunt double. Students, midterms, enter the stunt double. I don't have to study, I'll just have this person who's perfectly prepared to do all of the work for me, to step in and just do it for me. And then I'll take all the credit. Their name may appear at the end of the credits, but mine's going at the top. Have you seen that commercial where the dad is? is sticks his head into the, the, the door of the little kid's room and the little infant is in the crib and the dad says, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to have to call in sick. And the kid just looks at him like, what? Have you ever been there? You, you, you know, it's, it's bad when, when the kids are sick. It's not good when dad's sick. When mom's sick, everything falls apart enter the stunt double now we've had a lot of sick little ones these last few weeks there's a lot of, a lot of sickness going around flu bugs, uh, colds, everything else and, and uh, ha- have you ever been awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning by that retching sound in the little one's room and you know it's not going to be good enter the stunt double You just stay in bed. Let someone else take care of that. It would be great if there were stunt doubles in real life. But we know there aren't. We have to go through those things, the hard times. Teachers and preachers are probably about the only profession I know that can have not actually a stunt double, but a substitute if they can't perform their day you know that that, uh you know if there's times i'm going to be gone if there's uh you know uh, if i've got meetings away which is going to happen next week um, i'm gone next next sunday and grant will be uh standing up here before you that or on vacation that there's there's uh you know there's you get someone to come in and and substitute teachers you know you can't be there you're sick You call and there's a substitute that comes in. Now, having lived with the teacher all these years, um, I know that she would rather go to school sick than have to prepare for the sub, be homesick, and then have to go the next day and clean up the mess that the sub left. So it's almost easier to just go than to rely on the sub. This morning, we're going to look at a man who was given a substitute, a stand-in that he was not expecting. This is one of my favorite Bible stories, one of my favorite Bible characters. His name is Barabbas. And, and while all four gospel writers mention him by name, he only appears in a couple of verses in a much bigger story, almost a bit player. But I love the story of Barabbas. I I love the part that he plays in in the passion of Christ in this last week, in these last hours of Jesus. Because I can relate to Barabbas. Barabbas is me. Barabbas is you. Every one of us should be able to relate to Barabbas. Barabbas. Matthew describes him as a notorious prisoner. Mark says that he was one of a number of rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. John simply says he was a revolutionary or a robber. This is really all we know of him. He was in prison, chained for, for a rebellion notorious, infamous. His sins were well known throughout the city. Today we would probably refer to him as a terrorist. An insurrectionist leading a rebellion, trying to overthrow the government, and committed murder, killing people along the way. That's Barabbas. Now, Grant jokes around that while... I may be a radical, I'm not a rebel, I've never committed murder, but I am Barabbas. I am Barabbas. His story is a part of Pilate's story, so turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And as as we read, I want you this morning... To think not of Barabbas, but to think of yourself. To put yourself in Barabbas' place. Barabbas' story is really a part of Pilate's story that we looked at last week. Luke chapter 23 verse 13 says, Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people and said to them, You have brought me this man as one who subverts the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I have found no grounds to charge this man with those things you accuse him of. Neither has Herod, because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. For according to the festival, he had to release someone to them. Then they all cried out together, take this man away, release Barabbas to us. He, Barabbas, had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What what has this man done wrong? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. But they kept up the pressure. Demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and release the one they were asking for. Who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder. But he handed Jesus over to their will. Barabbas. We never hear any more about him. But we don't know what happened. What he did with his freedom. Did he, did he go back to organizing the rebellion? Did he go back to fighting against the government? We don't know. We have no way of knowing what he has done. But his story is necessary. These couple times that he's mentioned, these two verses that he appears in, is necessary to explain the bigger story of Jesus, to make it, a, to make it even more understandable to you and me. Barabbas is our story. He's a vivid example of you and me. This morning, I want you to think about what Barabbas must have been thinking and feeling. He had worked possibly for a number of years at overthrowing the government, at overthrowing Rome, of, of restoring Israel to, 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 to its own nation, not under the, the leadership of Rome, not under the, the, really the, the thumb of Rome, the, the uh what they were what Rome would put them through. He had already been found guilty. You knew you were guilty. No question about it. Condemned to die by crucifixion. You were sitting in your cell knowing the next morning you will die. You and a couple other of your robber rebellious buddies that last night in your cell you can't sleep you know what awaits you in the morning you've seen it done you've seen the horror of crucifixion you've seen the pain and not just the crucifixion but usually you're beaten before you're ever taken there before you're ever stretched out With nails driven through your hands or your wrist. With nails driven through your feet. And then hoisted up and dropped into a hole. And left there to die. Usually through suffocation. You just can't get your breath, you don't have the strength to to raise up and breathe. You know that's coming. Maybe you doze off for a few minutes. But when morning comes and the light begins to, to pierce through your cell, you, you hear shouts. You hear screaming. You hear, you hear almost an angry mob out in the street. You can't quite understand what they're yelling, but you sense they are angry. And then things quiet down. And then once again, the mob kicks in. and But this time, you understand completely. They're yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. And he's like, what is going on? My fate's already sealed. I, I know what I'm... Who's on trial now? Who's the one that they're wanting to, to have crucified? And it gets louder and louder and louder. Pilate was in a tough spot. Pilate, the governor of Judea, the the overseer, the one with the final authority, the one to give life or or cast into death, was in a tough spot. Jesus here was brought before him and he, he saw nothing. He had no reason to crucify him. He had no reason for the death penalty. He didn't even really have a reason to whip him or beat him, but he thought if I just did that, I would appease this crowd because the crowd was now becoming riotous. Mob-like. And he feared for a rebellion. He feared that if he didn't do something with Jesus, things could get really ugly in a hurry. But he really didn't want to kill him. He tried three times to offer them an alternative. To offer them Barabbas. But the religious leaders had, had created this mob mentality outside of his house. Each time that he tried to appease them, the crowd got louder. And in verse 23, we see that it kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that Jesus be crucified. Now you're sitting in your cell hearing all this not sure what to expect nobody really knows for sure the the history behind this custom of releasing a a prisoner over, over Passover we don't know if it was something that was done before Pilate came or if Pilate instituted to try to keep the Jewish people happy to be the nice guy but Barabbas Barabbas was as big a threat to the Jewish people because he was a robber and a murderer as he was to the Roman government because he led a rebellion. Really, nobody should want Barabbas on the streets. In fact, his actual crimes were far more heinous than what Jesus is being accused of. And so as things die down again, sitting in your cell, you hear footsteps. You know that the jailer is coming for you. You know that it's your turn. That you are about to be led to your execution. And as the jailer unlocks that prison door, and he throws open the door, He actually unbinds you. And he says, you're free to go. And you, of course, think it's some trick. This can't be right. He says, no, you're free to go. Jesus is dying on your cross. Not you. That's the last we hear of Barabbas. The cross that had your name on it was now going to say King of the Jews. The nails that were supposed to go through your hands were now going through his hands. That Jesus is going to die in your place and and that's what makes Barabbas so important to this story. That he is every one of us. We all deserved to die. We've all been found guilty. Many of us are still living in a prison cell. Waiting for death. Waiting for for that to come. But Jesus is going to die. In your place. Now in theology... We refer to Jesus' death as a substitutionary sacrifice. This concept of one dying for another was nothing new. Maybe the the custom of releasing a prisoner was new, but go all the way back to Leviticus, all the way back to when when, uh, God laid down the law and handed it to Moses and said, this is how you're to do it, this is how the nation of Israel is to approach me, is to come to me, is going to maintain a relationship with me. He said, when when you bring an animal for a sacrifice, Leviticus chapter 1, it says when you're doing a burnt offering or a sin offering or a fellowship offering, that whoever it is that's bringing the animal, be it a bull or a goat or whatever it might be, the, the person, me, Barabbas, is to lay my hand on the head of the animal. And it says in... Leviticus, that he is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering so it can be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And symbolically what was happening that was when the, when the sinner, Barabbas, me, you, laid our hands on the head of the animal, the offering, all of our sin was transferred to that animal. And then the priest Would slit the throat, would kill the animal, would take the blood, and then follow all of the other regulations that he had to do in order to present that animal before God and to have our sins atoned for, made right, forgiven. Jesus is our substitute, He is our sacrifice our animal, that, that we transfer all of our sins onto. Let me give you three things that we need to understand with this whole substitutionary sacrifice that I know Barabbas did not understand. But you and I have the, the benefit of being hundreds, thousands of years later and looking back and seeing and being able to understand how God revealed. This whole idea of a substitute is that God's absolute justice demanded a perfect substitute. God's absolute justice, His absolute holiness. Because if you read in Leviticus, the animal had to be unblemished, without defect. That means this animal had to be not only the first fruit, not only the, the firstborn of the herd, but had to be the best, had to be a perfect animal. No blemishes, no broken bones, didn't walk with limp. Perfect ears, perfect tail, perfect hoofs, perfect eyes. Had to be the best of the herd. God's absolute justice demands that. God's absolute holiness and justice cannot simply turn his head from sin and overlook it, cannot overlook a blemish. And when something is brought to him, it has to be perfect. Then he can't just say, well, you're close. Come on. Mm -mm. God's holiness will not allow that. By nature, anytime holiness comes in contact with blemish, you have problems. The blemish is going to have to go. The two cannot occupy the same space. And the only way to do that is holiness will always win and the blemish must die. Must go away. Must be cast out. God's absolute justice, His absolute holiness demands that it be a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. A substitute can only satisfy the demand for justice if the substitute is holy. Because if the substitute isn't holy, then the substitute needs a substitute. And now you've just got a snowball effect that's going to be a big problem. If I want to be a sacrifice for sin for someone else, I have to be perfect. Otherwise, I need someone to, to die for my sin before I can die for their sin. That person has to be perfect. This is why Jesus is the perfect substitutionary sacrifice. The perfect one to stand in our place, to, to, to be on the cross for me, to be on the cross for Barabbas, to stand in your place, my place. See, even the priests in the Old Testament, before they would, before they would accept, uh, you know, if you came and I was the priest and you came and brought your, your sacrifice, your offering to present it to God, you laid your hand and, and we, we prayed and transferred this, your sin onto the animal symbolically. Before I could ever do anything, I had to have that done for me. Because even the priests were imperfect. God's absolute justice demands a perfect substitute. Our absolute depravity demands a perfect substitute. The fact that we are born depraved, we don't like that word. We don't even like sin, but we've watered that word down enough that we can at least say it. But depravity, born with a sin nature... Born with the ability that given the right set of circumstances, we are a rebellious murderer. We are Barabbas. Barabbas just walked the steps that were in front of him as, sin, as his sin nature led him. And we've all been led by the sin nature. Into some form of depravity, some form of sin. Some separation from God. We can't appease or satisfy God's holy justice with even if we've only committed one sin. We are blemished. Now we may see degrees of sin. We may look at Barabbas and say, I am not that. You keep standing up there saying you and Barabbas are the same. I am not. Rebe- I've never led a rebellion, I was a good student. I was the teacher's pet. I did everything my mom and dad told me. I I followed the rules to the nth degree. In fact, I created rules for myself that helped me fulfill the rules. You're still a sinner. We're still guilty like Barabbas. We're still blemished. We were born with the blemish and there's nothing you can do to get rid of the blemish. We see degrees of sin. Barabbas is worse than the the boy who lies to his mother. But God only sees sin. He doesn't see degrees of sin. He just sees sin. And God hates sin. Period. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 says, The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. Oh, we fall in there somewhere. To some degree. My depravity demands a perfect substitute. And God loves me so much. That John wrote in his first letter, in chapter 4, verse 10, he said, Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation For our sins, Ah, that's a big word. To be the, the covering. To be the one that makes us right. That takes our blemish and instead of transferring our blemish to the head of the sacrifice, the sacrifice is willing to transfer his unblemished status to me. That's a substitute. Now, the bulls and the goats, they couldn't do any of that. They were just forerunners. They were just symbols of of what was coming, of what Jesus, the perfect substitutionary sacrifice, was going to do. The third thing we need to know, not just that God's absolute justice demands a perfect sacrifice, Not that our depravity, our absolute depravity demands a perfect sacrifice. But that Jesus was not only Barabbas' substitute. He was ours. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. The perfect substitute. In the upper room, before he was arrested this, this last week, this Passion Week that we're kind of walking through leading up to Easter morning. And when he was in the upper room celebrating the Passover and what what we now call communion, the the taking of the bread and the cup, he shared that Passover meal with the twelve disciples. And he took the bread and he said to them something that I'm sure they did not understand at the time. He said, this bread is my body which is given for you. This bread is my body which is given as a substitute for you. It's given in your place. Then he took the cup and and said that this represents my blood that is shed for you. As a substitute for you. Jesus was telling them, I'm about to be your substitute. I'm about to go to the cross and die on your behalf. I'm about to give you the opportunity to have my unblemished nature transferred to your nature. To have your sin nature wiped clean. To be forgiven. To have a right standing before God. To renew that relationship that sin has separated. All through the trial, Jesus never complained. I don't get it. I scream at injustice. Coaching basketball. I just had this conversation with Lee the other day at lunch. Coaching basketball, I have a very strong sense of justice. And when a ref blows a foul, oh, I'd let him have it. I screamed. Not fair. Call him at both ends. Are you blind? It got so bad once, and this is not... I'm not proud of this. Sarah got up and moved to a different section. (laughs) I mean, the kids were in sixth grade, so it mattered. It was a sixth grade boys basketball game. Jesus was undergoing the most unjust inhumane treatment that you or I could ever experience and he never once opened his mouth and complained. He answered questions. We talked about that last week, Pilate's questions. But he never once whined about it being unfair. And then on the cross, he interceded on the behalf of of the soldiers that were mocking him, that were yelling at him, that were saying, you saved others, save yourself. The soldiers that that nailed him there, the the religious leaders that were standing off watching it all take place, he looks down at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Never once did I say that to a ref. (laughs) Father, forgive them, he doesn't know what he's doing. I thought the last part more than once. Now I have gotten better, have I not? Yes. I learned that one season, two seasons, this is not right. But Jesus never once complained. He willingly allowed himself to go through that. He willingly allowed himself to to be nailed to the cross. To allow his life to be traded for Barabbas. A known, infamous, rebellious, traitor, terrorist, murderer. Because knowing that Barabbas just merely represented you and me. In all of that. There is no fairness in Jesus' death the innocent is killed and the guilty set free there's no other way to look at it the innocent is killed and the guilty set free the innocent is killed and the guilty set free free to live Free to live from the the penalty of of the wrath of God. Free to, to live from the penalty of sin. Free to live from the power of sin. Free to truly live the way in which we were designed to live. In the image and character and nature of God. The innocent is killed. The guilty set free. We can be set free. We can be redeemed. We can be uh, forgiven. In Pilate, we have a man who trusted public opinion more than the truth claims of Jesus. And in the religious leaders, we have men who allowed selfish gain to misrepresent the truth claims of Jesus. In the crowd, we have people who allowed a shallow faith to manipulate them by false claims about Jesus. What a fickle crowd. You know, on Sunday, they were hooping and hollering and and throwing a parade and celebrating that, that Jesus the Messiah was coming into their town and this was a great day. And five days later, crucify Him. And in Barabbas, we have the only benefactor of the whole story. We have the only one that, that came out well. We are Barabbas. Our guilt has been transferred to Jesus. And Jesus' unblemished character, his, his holy nature has been transferred to us this morning, understand that we have one who loves us. We have one who has died for us. We have one that that walks with us, that goes with us, that that will never leave us nor forsake us. That desires to live through us and do incredible, mighty things. Amen? Father, thank You for Your Son. Thank you that we have the substitute, that we have one that will stand in our place, even today, standing in our place. Interceding on our behalf. Father, strengthening us, encouraging us. Lord, we are not worthy. Not a one of us in here is worthy of what Christ did on our behalf, what He willingly died for our sins. To restore us. To remove the the blemishes. To remove the sin that we might have fellowship with you, that we might have a oneness with you. Father, you've created us in in your image. And now you are are conforming us into the image of your Son. That This process of of living with you, of, of worshiping you, this, this continued transference, this continued transformation. Father, thank you for Jesus, for his blood, for his, his broken body and his shed blood on our behalf, for his willingness to be our sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Would you please stand? And oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, church, come standing. the lie of inward shame but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love You know a- No burden great can hold you down in strength. You reign forever. Let your church proclaim. Let's proclaim it. Christ is risen from the dead. trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake. Come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. are one with him again come away come away come and rise up from the grave Up from the grave, Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. From the
3: grave. Hebrews chapter ten says, <clears throat> "Since the law, <clears throat> since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the actual form of those realities, it can never perfect." The worshipers, by the same sacrifices, they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers, once purified, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices, that is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now every priest stands day after day ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. This is the covenant that I make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Jesus is our perfect substitute. Amen go in that freedom, go with that knowledge, that truth that you've been set free. And if you want to know more about that, if you've got questions about this, this new covenant that we talked about this morning, I would love to talk to you. I'll hang around for a while and be here, or or maybe this week we can get together, but uh, find out more if you've got questions.